My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Dr. Alan Mishra is an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist at Stanford who pioneered the use of platelet-rich plasma for injuries and disorders. In addition to treating collegiate, professional, and Olympic athletes, Dr. Mishra teaches courses at Stanford University on vitality, health, and wellness. He is a globally sought-after speaker and teacher, having shared his vitality work with companies including Google and Apple, at universities including the University of Cambridge and the University of Michigan, and at other organizations ranging from the Boys and Girls Club of Silicon Valley to the Navy SEALs. His work has been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Time, ESPN, and other national media outlets. I hope you enjoy learning from Dr. Alan Mishra, because I certainly did. Alan, I'm excited to talk with you today. Uh, We possibly met about 10 years ago. So I was playing basketball at Stanford at Arriaga, and I reached for a loose ball, and two guys like intersected on my arm. And I knew right away that it was bad. So I look down at my arm and my elbow is dislocated. Like, you know, it's, it's completely out of socket. So I, you know, I run over to my friend and have him try to pull on it, pop it back in. He can't get it back in. Some more people try. They can't get it back in. Obviously it hurts, but I've got some adrenaline, you know? Um, and then they say, Hey, there's actually an orthopedic like office downstairs and there's a convention down there. So the, the team docs for the San Francisco 49ers and Stanford are there right now. So why don't you go down there? Uh, so anyway, in Ariaga, in, in the building I was at, there, oh, you know, wow. there's, there happened to be, uh, I don't know how many orthopedists there. I go down and, and they treat me for my uh, dislocated elbow. So whether you were there or not, I'm grateful for people like you uh, who take care of our joints. Well, thank you. I, I'm not sure it was me, but one, maybe one of my colleagues and I uh, hope your elbow is okay now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, every time, you know, if I shoot and I snap my elbow real hard, I can still feel the pain, but it's, it's doing great for the most part. Uh, so even though you're an orthopedic uh, surgeon and an adjunct professor, you've shifted your focus a bit these last six years to try to improve people's vitality. And as I've aged, I've, I've recently, you know, crossed 40. I can feel and see my body aging. Uh, I've been thinking about health and vitality and thriving uh, more. And I also have four kids. And so I'm also trying to do all I can to help them thrive in every aspect of their life. So uh, with that in mind, Alan, uh, as you think back on your career, are there two or three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to future generations? Yeah, yeah Nate, it's really uh, an opportunity that I appreciate to be here today. And what I'd like to share, if I could, like three lessons and three stories to help answer your question. Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. So the first one is is a little hard to tell, but it's important. And that is about a year ago, August 2021, uh, I had to go back to Michigan. I mean, I've been in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley for about 20, 25 years now. But uh, a close family member passed away suddenly and it wasn't expected. Unfortunately, she was found um, dead in her apartment after two days. She lived alone. And um, I I took a plane ride. And again, this is in the middle of the pandemic here. So it was difficult to fly from San Francisco to Detroit. There were no cars to rent. And I had to, my family was all tied up with the the funeral arrangements. So I had to take a bus from Detroit Metro. I had to go through Ann Arbor. I went to the University of Michigan. So that was one mild mild bright spot. And to, to Lansing, Michigan, where I'm from. So it was a 
kind of a long journey. And on the way out there, I was in frenetic Silicon Valley mode, just thinking about all the stuff in my world that wasn't going right, all the deadlines I hadn't met. And then I scrambled to get to this funeral. And, and Nate, when I got to the funeral, I looked at, at this oak tree about 10 feet away from a fresh grave. And there was this blue handled shovel next to the grave. And it, it, it's even now it still kind of stuns me to think about it. I pulled out my camera. I took a picture of the shovel next to the grave. And it was like the shovel was screaming at me. The, the shovel was screaming at me. You do not know when I'm going to come for you. So we went to the funeral. Um, it was terrible and awesome. And, you know, for a couple of days, and, you know, it was terrible, obviously, for the loss of life and a, and a great soul that was a beautiful person inside and out. And it was great because I got to connect with friends and family I hadn't seen in, in a long time. And then on the plane ride back, on the plane ride back, I started thinking about everything that's right in my life. Not all the deadlines I missed, not all the challenges, but all the people and all the things that were amazing in my life. And so that, that little story of the shovel next to the grave helped me cement in my mind this concept that I teach through my Vitality Explorers um, courses that I teach at Stanford through Stanford Continuing Studies is to think with time in mind. Now, again, I'm, I'm somebody who teaches this, but I had to remember that every second counts. I had to remember that it's important to pause and reflect, not just on what's wrong, which we do all the time, but what's right in your life and kind of even catalog that. So we know that gratitude helps, but you know, writing it down, saying thank you, saying being appreciative for the people and the opportunities that you have that are going well in your life. And it also helped me cement this concept of what I call the million second challenge. And if every second counts, I started thinking about how am I wasting seconds? And I think we have life leaks in our world. And, and you know, that could be doom scrolling on your phone, that could be um, you know, complaining or gossiping. But I came up with this idea that I'm wasting a thousand seconds a day, which is about 17 minutes. And so for leaders out there, when you're saying, okay, I don't have time to do anything, I'm super busy, I'll still challenge you to think that something in your life is, you know, not, you're not doing something where you can save 17 minutes. And if you start to apply that, just 1,000 seconds a day, 17 minutes, for 12 straight days, which is a million seconds, I'm a little bit of a math geek here, um, what could you do in the next million seconds? So that shovel next to the grave really helped me complete this loop of thinking with time in mind. And that kind of leads me to my second story, which is um, something I don't love to share. And, and I'm sure your audience has, has some issues or concerns of their own potential either athletic or academic ability, but I want to take you back to my sixth grade spelling bee. Okay. So I don't know what your sixth grade self was like me, but I was, I was awkward and oddly, you know, overconfident. It was a weird combination. Okay. <laughs> so my sixth grade teacher, I was the very first person I can't, I, this is cemented, you know, just burned into my brain. I was the first person up for the sixth grade spelling bee. Okay. And the word is tube. Okay. And so I'm thinking about this and a, a, you know, a little added thing here is when I was in elementary school, they made up a accelerated math, math class for me. I was ahead of everybody in math, but I was also in remedial reading. So I got sort of the bipolar <laughs> yeah. experience of being with accelerated people and with remedial people. <laughs> yeah. So tubes, you know, this is round one of the sixth grade spelling bee. And, and again, I'm awkward, but confident. And I, I, I say, 
T-O-O-B. And my teacher goes, oh, and, and my, my you know, reading ability for her was, you know, her face was like, oh, she goes, would you like to try again? And I thought she was just kind of poking me to see if I was confident. So I said it again, T-O-O-B. And of course, the entire class starts laughing at me. And I'm the first one up and the first one out in the sixth grade spelling bee. <laughs> and that really affected me. Okay. Um, I got teased. I, I'd never learned phonics in, in, you know, early on. I tried to confabulate about reading and writing for most of my middle school and high school and even into college. And I never could learn how to spell well. So five years ago, almost exactly five years ago, here's, here's the lesson I learned from that story for leaders out there. Turn a weakness into a strength. So I have been lauded for my math and uh, analytical ability for my entire academic career, yeah. but I've been laughed at for my you know, English ability. So I said, okay, I'm gonna start writing. And okay, a writer, I'm gonna turn myself into a writer. I said, I have to need, I wanna write a book about how to be vital. And so I knew that would be a daunting task. And so I committed myself to write every single day. And if I make it to October 17th, 2022, I will have written every single day for five years. That's through spine surgery. That's through funerals. That's through travel every single day I have written. And it's become sacrosanct for me. I get up early in the morning and I write. I have now published uh, uh, what I call the Vitality Explorer course book, which is mm -hmm. something you can find on Amazon. It's a required textbook for my Stanford class. I've written over 200 Vitality Info Snacks, which I put up on my Vitality Explorer Substack site. And here's what I learned again is I am not a great writer, but I'm now functional, okay? Yeah. And I turned a weakness into maybe not a big strength, but I turned it into something that has really important for leaders out there. If you think about something, it's, you know, you may have a lot of strategic thinkers out there. It's really valuable, but if you have to write it down, if you, and I know you're a lawyer and you're a professor and you're probably an expert and I'm kind of uh, interested how you're gonna comment on this, but the thought is writing it down requires you to be coherent in your thinking. Mm -hmm. And then if you can think about something and if you can write about something, then you can teach something. And that's what I do now is I, I teach my students to think, write, and then do. And that, that leads me to the final, final little story I'd like to tell you. And this is about a fraternity brother of mine at Michigan. And by the way, he got his MBA at Kansas. And I, I got his permission this morning to, to tell this story, right. but he is a brilliant guy. He's been a turnaround CEO. He's now president of a franchising organization in Ann Arbor. Um, and this story is about when my friend was, you know, working with a company called Echolab. And Echolab sells a variety of different things, including soap and linens to, to hospitals. And his job at that time, he was working there, was to try and increase the sales or increase the, the viability of this division of Echolab that was selling soap and, and linens. And the sales force was was pretty down in the dumps. And the CEO and the CFO were like, look, you need to increase the sales. You need to jazz up some sales team. So he, he decided he would do a little mini retreat over a weekend, try to learn as much about the whole situation. And it became pretty clear that the sales force hated selling soap and linens. Okay, so when you're out in a bar and somebody said, what do you do? Well, I sell soap and, and bed sheets to hospitals. And then he dug into the details and he realized, that something called nosocomial infections, which are infections that happen in the hospital, can kill 
literally thousands or tens of thousands of people per year, and that Echolab had the best data on their soap and linens. So he told the sales force, we're going to do something simple. When anybody asks you what you do, you don't sell soap, you don't sell sheets, you save lives. Okay. And the next quarter, their sales leaped up by 20%. They didn't change their product. They didn't change their sales force. They changed the purpose of the organization. So the lesson I learned from my friend Dave, and, and this is what I call pinpointing your peak purpose. And that can be for you personally, or that can be for you, your professional or your organization. Now, this is a daunting task. My, my friend Dave is a genius about it from, for organizations. I've been teaching people now for five years about how to identify their personal peak purpose. And I'm going to share, share with you and your audience how I've reduced mine to enhance global vitality one person at a time. And, and Nate, when I first started, I was like, okay, I want to just boil the ocean. I'm going to be enhancing global vitality. And, and the final little caveat about that is during the pandemic, Stanford asked me to do a webinar about how to enhance vitality and people were kind of stuck in their house. And uh, it, it turned out to be one of the best attended webinars they had of the entire two years. They had 1400 people sign up for this webinar. And then I got an email. And I, by the way, I was really excited to do that. And it went very, very well. And about a week later, I got an email from the chemistry department at Stanford. And they're like, oh my God, we missed the memo. We heard you did a really good job. Would you do one for the Stanford chemistry department? And I'm like, sure. And then the person who was on the other end said, well, we only have about 30 people. And I said, that's fine, that's fine. And seven people showed up, okay, <laughs> for the webinar. And I kind of did the same thing. It was not a lot of work to do because uh, I had already done it, but all seven of them had you know, contacted me later and said, you know, wow, that made a big difference for me. And that's when I realized that if, you know, what I'm doing with you here today, Nate, or your audience, if I can reach just one person and help them think with time in mind about that shovel, help them maybe turn a weakness into a strength or help them pinpoint their purpose for their organization or personally, then I will have done my job. So that's, that's my three stories and my three lessons. And as a professor yourself, I'd like to hear what you think about that. And if that's meaningful for, for leaders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much to say about this. I, I love the imagery of the shovel. You know, death is coming for us. Even when I think about aging, I think aging is just, that's death, right? I mean, that's this like slow fuse that's burning and my body's expiring. And uh, I'm trying to, of course, you try to, you tell people, you know, take advantage of every day and live life to the fullest. But that image of the shovel, I think mm -hmm. really helps cement this idea. Like it's tangible. And it motivates me to actually kind of do that trite phrase of, you know, take advantage of every moment. One thing I have is a, a spreadsheet with boxes that automatically gets filled in every month for every month I live. And then, so it's got a bunch of gray boxes for the months I've lived and it's got some empty boxes for the expect my life expectancy for, you know, months I hope to have left. Um, so I'm going to combine kind of that box or that spreadsheet with this shovel metaphor to help me and my students and my kids hopefully think about long-term. One, one of the phrases that I heard that I love is uh, all self-help is essentially, can essentially be boiled down to think long-term. And so just thinking about, you know, with the end in mind, what are we doing with our time? This, this you know, was it the million second challenge? Uh, great framing for how to make these lessons tangible. And God, and then you share that second lesson about the spelling bee. And you got to the point where you misspell the word and, and I laughed. And I laughed 
because I still remember misspelling poisonous, P-O-I-S-O-N-O-U-S, you know, in my sixth or seventh or fifth, whatever grade spelling bee that was. And it's such a small thing, but at the time, you know, it, it feels so monumental. And in the leadership class that I teach, uh, we spend the first uh, about kind of four weeks, three weeks, really focusing on the mindset of a leader and how you view challenges. Do you, do you view them as a learning challenge? Do you, do you believe you have you know, control over events that happen to you in your life? So they call this internal or external locus of control. Uh, we talk about fixed versus growth mindset. And so much is about adopting this mindset of, yeah, turn your weakness into your strength, practice being a good leader, get the skills of a leader and have that mindset of, I can get better and I can improve. So cool to hear that at your age, Alan, you're still like taking this lesson you learned from the time you were a child. And now it's like, why do I have to live with this, uh, this, this stress I've had for all these years of not being a good writer? Like, I'll just be a better writer by practicing. So, so cool to hear that. And then finally, of course, pinpointing, you said pinpointing purpose. There was one more P in there. Yep. So you can pinpoint your purpose or you can pinpoint your peak purpose. I'm going to put a little comma in that there because I'd like to explore for maybe a minute. I know we're running out of time here, but there's a gap between whatever your purpose is, which by the way, if you don't know your purpose, it's just reflective of how you spend your time and energy. Just think how much time and energy you spend on something and that is really your purpose. But your peak purpose, the difference between your purpose and your peak purpose is what I call your vitality gap. Now, if you're executing at your peak purpose for as long as you can, you're gonna have a very small vitality gap. And if you're up there doing what you are meant to do, and by the way, this is kind of stolen from Steve Jobs and his his uh, Stanford commencement yeah, address, I yeah. think it was 2016, is that if you don't know what you're supposed to do, you know, you got to keep searching and don't settle. And then when you find it, much like love, to paraphrase Steve Jobs, you will, you will know it. And so that I've been very lucky to find uh, one of my peak purposes uh, in life is to help uh, enhance vitality as much as I can and and Nate, it's been a, a joy to kind of discuss this with you. And I'd love to learn more about how you teach that with your leaders and your class. And, and it's been great to get to know you and other people through the, the Campbell Trophy Summit and other times where we, we've uh, interacted. Yeah, well, this is it's so great for me to hear because it's, if, I've had a number of careers. And one of my careers was, uh, I didn't even tell you this, I was a medical device rep working oh. with orthopedic surgeons. So oh. I was, you know, I worked for Zimmer and I was doing the total knees and total hip replacements uh, for a year. And then I was in real estate and I did some tech stuff and I went to law school and I got a PhD. <laughs> and ultimately I settled on being a professor. And I finally, you know, at age 40, I get my first tenure track job. And one of my purposes, and I don't know if it's my peak purpose, but it's certainly up there, is just learning and sharing. Uh, yep. the things I learn, And so to have the opportunity to talk with you, people like you and learn these interesting ideas, uh, this is exactly uh, what I'm trying to do with my time. Uh, you've been traveling the world, sharing these ideas. Uh, I love the concepts you shared today and, and would love to, yeah, continue the dialogue and just really appreciate you coming on today, Alan. Thank you so much, Nate, and uh, love to connect with anybody out there who's listening and uh, look forward to future interactions with you and your students. Thanks for listening to this episode. Dr. Mishra has dedicated his life to helping people thrive, and I love the lessons he shared today. 
First, by remembering that the blue-handled shovel is coming for all of us, we can hopefully make better use of our time. And that includes remembering everything that is right in our lives, and also looking for those thousand daily seconds we may spend doing things that don't help us thrive. Second, Dr. Mishra was lauded for his math, but laughed at for his English, so he decided to do something about it. Are there weaknesses in our own lives that we can confront with the same energy and commitment that Dr. Mishra channels as he's written every single day for five straight years? And finally, what is our own peak purpose? Much like love, we'll know it when we find it, whether that's teaching about vitality to just seven people at a time or sharing simple, practical, underappreciated lessons with anyone who will listen. I hope we can all thrive, and what better way to do so than by following Dr. Mishra's advice? It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. 